Welcome everyone to House on Fire and Austin Oaks Church Parenting Podcast, where we talk about all things parenting for every phase, our desires to help you raise the next generation of believers. And today I have Josh and Michelle on the podcast with us. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Tell us just a little bit about you guys and your family. Sure. Well, uh, Michelle and I got married in 2005, so we've been married 16, I guess going on 17 years. We have two kids, Peter's 11, Sarah's 8. And uh, I guess we've also been members here at Austin Oaks for about the same time since 2005 and have enjoyed uh, the community here and serving. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I remember when Sarah was on my basketball team a couple of years ago. <laughs> I actually miss coaching upward like crazy. So it was awesome to have you as a coach it, out there. It, and uh, Paisley on the team. That was fun. Uh, she never made a shot, but we're still working on that. Yeah, <laughs> Paisley, not Sarah. <laughs> Sarah made lots season. of shots. <laughs> it was It was good. So, yes. Did you finish? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. So, yeah. So, our family, we've lived in Austin um, for a long time, and our kids go to Valor Public Schools. Yeah. We um, foster labs uh, into our family. We love Jesus, and we're up for adventure, and so that's a little bit about us. Yeah. So, what's the, the, the coolest or most adventurous thing that you guys have done? I'd have to say you going to hike a mountain. Yes. So um, last year, I went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa to raise funds for Africa New Life, which is near and dear to our hearts. And that was probably the most adventurous thing because God said, go. And I said, no. And in (laughs) wrestling and bringing my family along to support me, um, that was a definite step out of faith for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And for those who are listening don't know, Africa New Life uh, primarily, at least from what, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, but they do child sponsorships for children who are in Africa, but a specific country in Africa, right? Not all of Africa? No, they're uh, in Rwanda, okay. which is about the size of Maryland. And they were the country that had the genocide back yeah. in the 90s. And they do sponsorship and God is moving and churches are being built. And it yeah. is an awesome place that you can actually go visit as a family and uh, see all that God is doing. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'd have to check. The last time I heard there was like 500 kids who are sponsored through just families of our church. It's, it's pretty cool to see when they um, come here and we get to hear about what's going on over there. And uh, it, it's a pretty cool thing. Our student ministry sponsors a few uh, children with African New Life. So it's been it's been cool. So Awesome. Well, today we're going to basically going to be talking about the subject of redemptive discipline. And so, Michelle, you'd mentioned that this topic came up to you like in a BSF class and so then did some studying and all of that. And so that's kind of going to be about our topic today, just this uh, redemptive discipline. Yeah, redemptive discipline was introduced to me as a children's leader in the children's program with BSF, which is Bible Study Fellowship, which came from Barbara Rioch, who was over the children's program for BSF. And it just was such a uh, counterintuitive to the way that I was raised and how I had heard the world talk about disciplining children that when we had our children, Josh and I were like, I think we need to do this a little bit different. Mm. And just to understand just the, even the high level of redemptive discipline, it just makes you change and go, Oh, I'm doing this for, for Christ um, and not making little Pharisees. Yeah. (laughs) I I love it. I (laughs) amen to that. So when you say like how you were raised or how you guys are raised, like, what do you mean by that? Like, yeah, so that's a good, that's a good question. When you think of redemptive discipline and you, you unpack that, uh, first off, I'll give you kind of the basis for it. And then I want to reflect on how I grew up, but yeah, 
On redemptive, it's based in Ephesians 1.7. In him, we have redemption through his blood. And discipline comes really from Hebrews 12.10, right, where we learn that God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. The way that I grew up, and you unpack the word discipline, it really means to train, instruct, or correct. Mm. And the way I grew up, it was really heavy on the correction. Mm. I learned, uh, you know, what was right and wrong and the consequences associated with that. Yeah. But God, you know, discipline is like discipleship. Mm. And God disciple or disciplines his children so that um, our character resembles him. Yeah. And for me, it's really helpful and, and really freeing to think about redemptive discipline as really the goal of being trying to train your kid in how to love God and love others. Yeah. And that's different than what Michelle kind of introduced, which is a results oriented mindset um, that it's so prevalent in our culture of learning that uh, you can earn something with good behavior. Yeah. Versus a growth oriented that says, I want to disciple your heart to really love God. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I've, you know, just been introduced to in the past few years, and I've had to learn the hard way as a parent. Um, and it's been really good for me because it also helps me learn that yeah. as a big kid. Yes. Right? Yeah, <laughs> no, I feel you. So uh, an easy way to kind of wrap your mind around it is maybe this example is you've probably heard an adult come in and say, hey, Jack, you are such a good boy when you pick up the blocks, right? But what happens when Jack rebels and he doesn't want to pick up those blocks anymore, right? Do you not love him? Is he not a good boy anymore? And so um, that's kind of that moralistic, you know, little Pharisees look good on the outside, but what is it on the inside? So really uh, a different way to kind of praise Jack and, and ask him to pick up the blocks would be, you know what, God tells us that he loves others and we can love others by helping them. You help me when you pick up the blocks. Thank you so much. It's just that shift there. Yeah. I'm intrigued because it's not like, it's choosing words much more wisely that pushes them to understand biblical truth more accurately and how the the scripture actually describes that. And so uh, I love the, well, I I don't love it, but the phrase little Pharisees, I I say I don't love it because it's so true um, in so many ways. And so, uh, so a lot of it I think has, from my understanding is choosing your words in such a way that are gospel oriented and not moralism uh, oriented or achievement oriented. And, and it doesn't take a lot, for those, I mean, it's, you don't have to like change a whole lot in order for that to take place in, in, in the words that you're saying. Um, yeah, and what's helpful for me is like, what's the outcome that I, as a parent in this position as a parent am trying to achieve, right? Is it compliance mm-hmm. and obedience with what I want? Um, but with redemptive discipline, it really reframes the end goal, which is I'm trying to, you know, how can I help? this child love God and love others. And every discipline scenario is really an opportunity to train them towards that end goal. Yeah. And just asking that question really resets my mind frame on what, what's the end goal of this, this scenario. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's really helpful for me to pause and ask, just even asking that question, Hey God, can you help me right now? And can you help me for this outcome that glorifies you? Rather than can I can you help them just change their behavior so that they're obedient with what I what I personally want in this certain scenario? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. 
So let's come back to like, how were like, how, what was this one like when you guys were growing up? Well, I was the perfect child, so there was very little. No, um, seriously. Um, it was, um, you know, we had timeouts. I came from the age of, of the spankings. Um, it, it was just, it was just different. Um, you know, my mom looks at how we raise our kids and we do a lot more talking <laughs> with our kids yeah. and, and speaking into them, uh, which I think is the biggest change, the notice change. Yeah, for me. For me, it was, I grew up again in the, in the spanking of the 80s and 90s, and, and part of me really respected that, yeah. right? Um, I'm the oldest of four, and true to form with the oldest, I was pretty uh, straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I was produced a, a little Pharisee, right? <laughs> I knew what was right and wrong, um, and, I, and I didn't like the consequences associated with it, so I tried to stay in the path uh, of right and narrow. But yeah. uh, my brothers and sisters behind me, not so much. So I got to see, you know, uh, corrective discipline come out quite a bit for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'll add to that. It was never, um, it never addressed, we didn't talk about Jesus and discipline. It was like, you love Jesus on Sunday, but you know, you were disciplined yeah. as is, and you had to change your behavior to get the adult to be happy. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, it was like in the eighties or nineties, it was probably the coaching to the parents at the time. It's like, all right, don't forget to remind your kids that you love them before you spank them. <laughs> right. I mean, that was kind of like yeah. the extent of the grace associated. It's like, you yeah. did wrong. I'm going to spank you, but I love you. Yeah. Yes. These seem to contradict a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say is the goal of redemptive discipline? And I love the passages that you shared because without a doubt, this is something that uh, we don't like, but it's a, it's a biblical thing that God desires for us because he loves us. And, uh, and, and we'd love for you guys to talk about like, what's the goal of redemptive discipline? So I think um, three things. One, we have to remember that we're all sinners. Yeah. I'm a sinner. My child is a sinner. And so sometimes you need to let them sit in that sin and just let them kind of feel that weight. Mm. Um, because if you don't, then they don't know the hope and the purpose of why Jesus came. Yeah. And so, um, everybody, we all need discipline. You know, our children do, we do, um, you know, God disciplines us for our own good, not out of anger or frustration. And so when you have that mindset to change of when I want to lash out to my child because they're not doing what I want to do, yeah. that's not what God does. And so yeah. I can extend that grace. And then the third part would be, you know, we all need forgiveness. Um, you know, how many times has God forgiven you? So ask God to help you forgive your children even one more time. Mm. Oh, that's good. And I'd add that, you know, you're looking for heart change. So it's not that we want just the child to be obedient, but we want them to have a desire to be under the authority that God's placed them and recognize that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the heart change really after. Yeah. And when you say heart change, what do you mean? And, and you know, you know, being in church world for the last man, 11 years, I, I've made some inappropriate observations of folks. And what I mean by that is like, oftentimes I just assumed that because somebody was there every Sunday that they were thriving spiritually. Like if they were even, you know, if they were on stage or just physically present, I kind of just assume like, man, they must be doing pretty good spiritually because they're here all the time. And yet that's not how it works. Like it, just because you're at church all the time does not mean that you're thriving spiritually. Now we need to, it doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact to be at church or be involved or, or to serve, but, but the importance of, of 
you know, checking to see how are they, are they really doing spiritually? Like, are they even, are they even reading their Bible and thriving in their walk? Or how's their, like all of these things come into play. And so instead of just disciplining a child for the sake of getting what you want at the heart issue of that, like explain, cause I, I think most people know what that is, but like, let's articulate that just a little bit, just to kind of pull out, like, what, what does it mean to get to the heart issue of the matter? You know, and obviously every situation is different, but um, the principle still applies, I think. I think, especially from a child's perspective, is that God still loves me, right? You need to speak into that. You need to feed into that. And we can talk later about what I call the love bank. But, um, you know, that God still loves me. Like, I, I, if you are lucky enough to have non-believers in your circle, there's chances are in that conversation that you're going to go deep with them. And at some point, they're going to have some hurt mm. from a believer or really the church. And I think the message in this redemptive discipline is it doesn't matter what hurt, what sin, what bad thing you've done, that you can come because God still loves you. And that's yeah. where I think re, um, repentance, repentance comes and that really heart change happens. So for yeah. me, it's just as simple as you're doing something wrong. We need to correct it. But God still loves you, mm-hmm. even though you are choosing to rebel. And I think that's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Michelle kind of just spoke to that a little bit and you called it out. It's like we talked pr- pretty quickly on discipline and we've already zeroed in on the corrective nature, right? Yeah. And if, if we remember back to the definition, I said, it's about training, yeah, uh, training them uh, for the purpose of loving God and loving others. And, and Michelle just mentioned this concept of, of love bank. Well, corrective is actually the second step of redemptive discipline. The first step is a preventative step. Hmm. And there's a number of things that you can do to invest, but the number one way she just said is you can invest in, in, in filling up their love tank or their love bank. Yeah. Because if you haven't established a foundation of love, we all know from experience, you're not going to yeah. respect that person or that parent in authority if they, if you don't feel in love on, on their corrective or their training. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, what Josh was saying is, you know, you've got kind of these layers, these preventative corrective, and then really going into the gospel and the redemptive discipline. And so, you know, talking about um, just that preventative, you know, if I have a child, you know, that's a three-year-old and we're going into the grocery store, you know, I need to kind of set those limits, right? Uh, I'm not going to say Jesus loves you and therefore you're going to behave and let's go, you know, get in the cart and go. (laughs) It's, you need to really set those limits. And and what do you expect of that child? Because we need to know what to expect. Um, And then you can layer on, you know, transitions of, and make it fun. You know, if it's time to clean up, it's not just, here's a big room, here's a mess. I need you to pick up and you walk away. It's, hey, to my two-year-old, let's do this really slow, you know, like a sloth or let's do this really fast fast. You know, there's ways to make transitions fun, but you're feeding into their love bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that nurturing love. Um, and one thing that Josh and I did early on is we took a class or read a book about the love languages of our kids. And that has really helped us to identify because we have two kids who are all about words of affirmation and quality time. And so, um, this love bank is what am I doing to invest mm. to where my child feels loved? And when I deposit these little love um, notes, if you will, into their bank, when it's really time for me to correct and, and discipline, yeah. you know, I'm withdrawing some of those love notes, but I'm not in the red. Yeah. And when you get in the red, I think that's where you start to see some, some clashing mm. um, that we've all experienced in our lives. Yeah. 
So a couple of just foundation things that come to my mind as you were talking there is uh, there's only the, the only way to fill up their tank is if you're actually physically present. And if you're not there, so if you're a dad who's never there, uh, and then it comes to discipline time and every time, uh, discipline comes up, it's probably always bad. It probably always ends bad, uh, is my assumption. Not, not to say that, but, uh, so I, I grew up very other, like multiple stepdads. They were all physically abusive, all verbally abusive. And, um, so I, I, I did not have, I did not learn redemptive discipline. I learned like you feared, you feared getting your yeah. tail whooped yeah. like hardcore. And so, uh, but so just know, and knowing those guys, like those, they were never really around. And I was like, well, that guy, you know, he came into my life and he's going to be gone like all the other seven guys. And so, uh, it, it didn't matter what they did. I was going to give them zero ability to have authority over my life, which is sinful, you know, yeah. on my part, you know, still, but yet, um, but it sounds like they did what, what didn't happen is there was no investment in your love bank, no investment. Yeah, absolutely. No investment. And so just to encourage, cause I have a tendency to work too much and be gone more than I would, than I should. And, uh, but if we're not home, then our kids are never going to really, you know, I can, I can confess personal experience of being present specifically during COVID. I've been at home yeah, working. I've been present physically, but Michelle is really strong at investing in love bank. She yeah. pays attention. She's very in tune to our kids love language. That's not my first gear. That's not an excuse, but I know um, from not investing in her love bank and then still knowing and being able to preach about redemptive discipline and going, it's not working. And then she's saying, well, you haven't invested in their love bank. And so that's been something I'm still working on because yeah. that's not, hasn't been a first gear in the way that I grew up. Um, yeah. it, it's a little bit more first nature for her. And, uh, so I'm learning in that regard. Yeah. I also think as a parent, um, you know, a prayer, a prayer for yourself, right? This isn't just, you know, you doing redemptive discipline to your child, but you need to understand that God does redemptive discipline to you as an adult. Right. And yeah. that's going to spill out into your children. But, um, you know, I just want to encourage the moms and dads that are out there, especially with young kids, like the, they're communicating with you. You know, how many times have, you know, you've been on your phone and your child has pushed it away or oh, said, yeah. Hey, I need you to look at me or talk to me. Um, but you know, we're, we're not perfect at this. And I had a, a moment where, you know, anger is, I was quick to anger. And what did that look like? That looked like lashing out and yelling at my kids because really I had a high standard of perfection for my kids. Mm. Right. And I have to realize that if they miss that mark, you know, I can't penalize them for that because I'm not perfect and God doesn't have that standard for me. Yeah. So one time I was just lashing into one of my children and the way that they looked at me, it was just like, Oh, like the puppy dog eyes. And you're just like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. And so it was just that moment where I'm like, Lord, you have to help me change my heart to have compassion for this child. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is fascinating how God uses our kids to redeem even us. And I, oh, I, I don't necessarily like that. <laughs> I yeah. And we're about to add a third to our life. So I have a, a third I'm going to have to stare at and going <laughs> to look back at me like that when I'm messing up. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, it's crazy. Um, so uh, maybe let's, and you shared a little bit about just an example there, but like 
what would be a terrible, like what's, what does this look like in a way to do this where it doesn't honor the Lord? Like, let's say there's a situation where, you know, you're mad at your child or you want to discipline your child. Like, let's, let's maybe give a couple examples of like, here's how we should not do it. And here's a better way to do it that honors the Lord. And most of us probably have ideas of this, but um, uh, I think it'd just be helpful for those listening just to see the difference between the two. Well, one example that comes to mind was actually this morning. Um, and I could probably come up, think of a, a better one as well. But we're driving to school, and my daughter has done this uh, diorama, right? So she's holding the shoebox, you know, don't drop it. The project's going to go everywhere. And my son is in the back, and he is just being an 11-year-old goofball. And he makes some silly comment of, ooh, Sarah, don't don't drop that. Ooh, maybe I'm going to come and I'm going to you know, push you and you're going to fall. Right. And to her, this is like, I've spent so much time on this. This would be a disaster. And, you know, I could have let that stood or I could have said, you know, Peter, just, you know, we, we don't do that. We, we don't talk like that. Um, or I could have really lashed into him, you know, absolutely not. You don't act like that. You protect your sister. But in that moment, you know, God was just like, um, because we have an ongoing conversation, right. This isn't like an isolated you know, discipline moments yeah. ongoing. It was really just like, hey, you know, you you represent a family and you're part of a family and we've chosen as a family to be compassionate and yeah. extend grace and love to each other. And, you know, isn't that kind of how God asked us to do it? But really we can't do any of that on our own, right? Because we know that that's fruit of the spirit and that has to come through the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? We, we are not able to do it on our own. I think that's key. And, you know, it wasn't as simple as, you know, I didn't have to say God loves you or let's go into the whole gospel. You know, it was just an ongoing planting that seed of you're not the hero. You're not the one that's going to be penalized as the black sheep forever. Yeah. But hey, you know, the gospel, this is the gospel. Yeah. No, it's really good. One one, uh, example that that is relevant for me and the way I grew up is like when I I was training as a children's leader at BSF and, and have a group of young students and uh, some of which are they're there because their parents kind of signed them up and oh, so yeah. they, they weren't necessarily wanting to be there yeah and I got them for 90 minutes and here I'm supposed to be a bible teacher and I'm supposed to be you know exemplifying redemptive discipline but you got a nine-year-old knucklehead boy who wants to you know mess around and the way I grew up um, one of the tactics I would choose to to squash that might be hey knock it off you know, bop them on the head or put them in their place, yeah. right? And make it, make an example in front of the, the group that that behavior is not, you know, uh, acceptable. Um, and that doesn't get to the hard outcome that you want yeah. of, 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 of really showing grace in the situation. Um, although it can be a, or my worldly lens that can be quite effective sometimes because yeah. it stops the behavior, it puts them in their place. Um, so I have some experience in what, doesn't work and not what to do. <laughs> no, I feel you. Well, in, in your example, it brings peace in that moment, but yet, you know, looking a year down the road, okay, is that is that particular knucklehead in this example, like, is he is he's probably going to still be doing the same thing because that's what everybody does versus saying, okay, man, like, like what's going on? Because, I mean, no, you know, knowing a little bit about you know, studying for foster care stuff, you know, when we, when we have, have had foster kids, like knowing that, like, if you don't get enough sleep or nutrition and not enough exercise, or even just a schedule for a kid is like any of those things could cause a child specifically to like have a terrible day. Like, and so just, 
you know, it's not always like they're not, they're not terrorists, you know, they're not, you know, they, they're going to have rough days. And so how do you appropriately as adults deal with that instead of just bringing peace in that moment, but thinking about, okay, what, what's this child or this student's life going to be like, you know, a year down the road because of your ability to say, you know, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to try to get to know the filter bank, so to speak, you know? Yeah. The whole taking the time, it takes more time. Oh, it, it takes does. more investment because I'm having to stop and think of, well, and ask, oh God, can you help me and pray? And that actually takes time. And that's not what yeah. I want to do my first gear. Cause I just, I, can you behave or can we move on? And can yeah. I, can I go do what I want to do? Um, so you have to want to put some investment and time in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to feed off of that for, you know, the listeners that are like, okay, no, really like give me something I can walk away with some nuggets of how to do this, you know, in the moment, you know, there's these layers. So it's, you know, corrective, it's setting the limits, it's investing the love. It's that sort of thing. You want to address the behavior of like, mm-hmm. that's not what this is. Yeah. Definitely want to invest, but let the tensions go down. And so if you've got a child that is in timeout or has gone to their room or whatever, you need to stop and you need to pray before you go in. Um, and I'm a firm believer of answered prayers, arrow prayers, right, in the moment. But when you go and everything's kind of escalated, it's your moment. That redemptive discipline is for you to sit to that child and say, you know, um, whatever the behavior is, address it. You know, we can't allow it in our family or, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, I realize that it's really hard to sometimes obey or sometimes we really want to do what we want to do. And here's the kicker. I'm the exact same way. And maybe I would give an example of how I've rebelled or how I didn't treat my child the right way. And then you bring in kind of just the gospel. But you know what? God still loves you. God still loves me. And we can stop and we can pray you want to pray? And I think asking that question, whether they accept it or not, um, is just reinforcing. So when they are, you know, high school or college, whatever, that they have like, what do I do? I'm panicking. I'm rebelling. Oh, I can stop and I can pray. And that's a skill that they can take forever. Yeah. It brings to mind uh, a couple days ago with my son, Peter. So uh, one success for me uh, recently was uh, Peter was angry with his, uh, with his mom because he wasn't able to do what he was, what was able to do. And he was moping around for an hour, and I was trying to engage him, and he was blowing me off. And uh, so finally I said, Peter, and he said, stop, look at me. He looked at me. I said, I could see you're angry. I'm pretty sure it, it's not something I did, but I feel like you're really taking a lot of anger out on me. And then, uh, and then I, you know, God helped me through that moment. I said, you know, um, you've probably, you haven't probably, you have learned that from me. You have seen me take my anger out on you when you didn't deserve it. And that's absolutely sinful. Mm. And, uh, and I, and so I was able to just to speak into that and bring it to and say, look, this is something you learned from me and that's not right. That's sin. Um, and then we were able to say, Hey, you want to pray about this? Right. And instantly his, his attitude changed. It just melted away. Yeah. Um, because he, it got to his heart, and he saw that he could connect with my heart, and that I was, you know, his behavior was was hurting my heart, and so that yeah. was a little minor success for him. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about redemptive discipline and kind of approaching him that way, you know. So it was cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So uh, one thing that Josh just pointed out in that example is, you know, uh, it's okay to pause and lovingly ask questions to understand what's going on and then address the behavior. Um, And then, you know, pull it back into who you are. Um, 
but then, you know, share an attribute of God or an aspect of the, of the gospel, right? You know, you want to focus on God, not the child's own abilities. Like mm. you never uh, would want to say, you know, you should be able to know what I'm thinking or you should react this way because I'm cranky in the morning or, you know, I've been, you know, let's get real. Yeah. Some of these parents have been, you know, drinking, oh, yeah. you know, on Friday nights and they wake up and they expect their kids to be a certain way yep. and, you know, they're going to lash out. Right. Um, you know, you need to focus on God, that God is going to do this. And I think one way is, you know, for Christian families that are, you know, talking and teaching about the Bible is, do you teach it in a way to where God is the hero or that the character is the hero, mm -hmm. right? Noah made an ark, but really it was God that gave him the instructions and the skills and the talents and the patience. God is the hero. And I think that's something that we can invest in those kids that are growing up in the church so that they don't leave having this complex of, yeah. well, I can do it because I went to church. <clears throat> no, that's really good. And, you know, it makes me think of the fact that like, so for you two specifically, you know, this has been a journey, you're figuring things out. And, and, and um, I feel like um, I used to, think it was inappropriate when, when people would say, yeah, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm married up or, you know, my better half. I'm like, well, theologically, no, but then I got him in marriage a little bit and I was like, practically, yes, uh, I would prefer you to marry up. And, and so <laughs> at least that's what I feel like I did. Um, and just the things that my wife brings to our marriage, which helps me with this because naturally like I'm not, I mean, I'm like a traditional guy. I'm like, we're going to rough and tumble and we're going to tear up stuff. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fight for my family and protect my family, but I am not very gentle and not to negate that. I'm not, I'm just, that's just how I, that's just how I grew up. And that's how it was modeled for me in very, very simple ways. And that's come out more of me as an adult, as I've had kids and stuff. But so let's just talk a little about like the fact of like you two are basically on the same page, at least, you know, you may not be perfect at it, you know, obviously, but you guys have had conversations about this and I'm assuming day one, it did not start this way. Like, Maybe one of you is, you know, I don't know, maybe you're Josh, you're the one, or Michelle, you're the one yelling or just, you know, wh however it works out, like, you know, in the house, like we're all sinful. So, but I'm assuming it didn't start on the same page. So what's that been like? Because uh, there had to been some learning, maybe some compromising, some willing to look at scripture for, for you guys to change your mindsets or, you know, yeah. all of the things that go into that. So I'd say Michelle was the pioneer and she was plugged in with the BSF and got kind of trained up in this earlier than me. And so... Uh, you know, I, I consider her an expert, uh, as far as I'm concerned, cause yeah. she was way out ahead of me. And, uh, I saw, saw it in my own kids, uh, the difference after a couple of years, I'm like, wow, she's, she's got more effective outcomes. I'm very business focused. I'm like, I want those outcomes. So yeah. What's going on? So that made me, you know, perk my head. And then when I got formally kind of trained in to do this for, for my role over there, that's when I said, I, I probably put more into practice, uh, mm. but she's been kind of the pole setter yeah. for me out in that regard. And, um, and, and you mentioned, you know, how God pairs us up complimentary. Amen to that. You know, yeah. this is one area in my life where I go, I just give praise to God because he sovereignly put her in my life to help me learn this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I think that's why, uh, I used to say that it took a, it takes a village to raise a child. And then I was like, well, biblically it's kind of right. But then I, biblically it, it takes a mom and dad to raise a child and take, and it takes a village to influence a child. And so that's when I look at our small group leaders at church with middle school and high school, like we're influencers and, you know, pushing them towards the gospel, but we're not raising them. 
But there are a lot of people, single moms, single dads, grandparents raising grandkids, and and like they're they're double duty. Like what my wife was gone this weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, if she ever leaves again, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I know she wants to get away, but I'm like, yeah. I've got to do this, this, and this, and then you know, and feed the kids and all of this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I need to appreciate my wife more, you know, and so, but there's there's mom and dads out there that are that's every day for them. And they may have family close by and they, or maybe, maybe they have nobody. Like we don't have any family within like 900 miles of us. And so, um, so maybe what wisdom would you give to them, uh, or insights would you encourage, you know, most likely some of them probably don't have littles. They're probably middle school or high school age, um, grandparents, single moms, single dads, where they don't have somebody else they live with that, that God has given them, um, or they're no longer with or whatever, to help in this process. And I've got a few things in my mind, but would love just to see if you guys would have any, you know, anything that you'd want to encourage them with. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm huge. I'm huge in prayer and not because I say that or because I went to church, but, um, God really called me to serve and it happened to be in BSF in the children's program. And through that, he not only kind of chipped away all of my, uh, not all of my, he's still chipping, but you yeah. know, a lot of the hard places. And so, um, when redemptive discipline was rolled out, I mean, really, I was like, what is this? This is, this is hard. And like Josh said, this really took time. Um, but the bottom line was when we prayed for a child that was crying or when we would take a child out and we would have these conversations with them, um, God, the Holy Spirit just like answered in such a way, like literally answered prayer before you. Mm. And when I think you see those miracles, you're like, oh, Oh, God is with me. Oh, God is doing something. Oh, there is power in, you know, prayer. And you, you, you're like, Oh, I'm going to try this again. And it just builds and builds. And that's where your faith grows. And so, um, so those, you know, parents or single parents, we have friends that are like that. You know, I think it comes down to, you know, it's you and God ultimately, and God loves your kids much more than you do. Mm. And so, um, he's given you this, this authority and this role, but it's important to have a perspective of, you know, every day there's a spiritual battle fighting for you and your children. And so are you arming yourself with God's help for patience and love and forgiveness and grace before you start your day with your children? And if you have that foundation, then, I'm going to trust that God's going to give you eyes to see people that he's put specifically into your life to continue and come around your kids to do that. And I think that's one thing that parents love about the youth department is because they can put their kids knowing that there's somebody walking alongside speaking into their kids, whereas we can't speak to them anymore, uh, you know, at that age. So my encouragement would be to really lean into the Lord because he's going to do something in some way through other people. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I've probably had 10, 12 times a year I have a single mom that says, hey, my, I, you know, could you hang out with my son because the dad's not around, you know? Um, and I'm like, yes, I would love to do that. But also your son should come on Wednesdays. And then he has three other guys, you know, small group leaders. So now your son doesn't have just me, but he has four guys now. And that doesn't replace a dad, without a doubt. It does not. But it helps. um, with them understanding the love of a dad, somebody who cares for them. And, and so, um, yeah, so it's just, 
it's it's easier for me to think about just you know a biblical family, um, so to speak. But not that not that a, a divorced family or whatever is not biblical because there's sin in the world and we're all broken and there's lots of messiness that comes along yeah. with the way. It doesn't change the the parents' role to to establish the foundation of love though with the heart connection mm-hmm. of the child. Yeah, I mean that that has to be there. Yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. No, that's really good. You know, something that I just want to plug in there too is um, something that impacted my my life and, and I've done it to, with my kids is apologizing mm. and admitting when I'm wrong. Um, I remember so vividly, long story short, like in second or third grade back in the day when your parents would bring cupcakes for some event, you know, and my mom was a teacher and my dad was a realtor and so just very busy and he just forgot um, to bring. And I'm sure as an parent looking back now, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of peer pressure. That's, you know, yeah. parents teaching, teachers judging me that I forgot. But when I went home, my dad had flowers there for me. And it didn't impact me as maybe some other events in my life. But in that moment, I just remember sitting and standing in my room going, looking at these flowers. And it was an apology. Mm. I made a mistake. And I want to admit to that. And that has carried through and how I look at my kids of when I, you know, lash out to them or I don't listen to them or I, their behavior is a child's behavior, but I want them to act like an adult, um, to just apologize for that. And you never know how your kid's going to react, but when you do, my experience has been, like Josh said, it just, it melts away some tension and they can really see you, you know, as a parent and they love you, but in a light that they can relate to you. And I think that's important as they grow older as mm-hmm. well to have that. Yeah. I think what you're talking about is, is really modeling repentance for the, for yeah. the child. Right. Um, it's not just that I'm, I'm the parent, I'm always right. Um, and not just apologizing when I'm wrong, but saying, Hey, I sinned against you and I sinned before God and I'm going to take it before God in your presence. Yeah it adds a whole different level of serious for the kids. They're like, Oh my, you know, my parents, this is not just lip service. They're actually, yeah, they're, they're, they're asking God for forgiveness for that. This must be something serious. Yeah. No, that's good. I could, I could imagine some folks listening and they could think this, which I don't think is right, but love for us is talk about this a little bit. Um, because when it comes to discipline, the a big aspect of it is, is winning your child's heart, pushing them towards, towards the Lord and having a heart for the Lord and really bringing the gospel into not only just, I mean, we're talking about, you know, redemptive discipline, but every area of our lives, like it is, it is not a ton of work or effort to be able to sit down and say, you know, Maverick, I know that you want this. Um, you're being disobedient right now. Um, let's, let's try to work this out, but I want you to know that, you know, no matter what, like I love you, but more than that, God loves you. Like to bring the gospel into, into this particular topic. But I could, I could hear some skeptics who would say, Lucas, are you guys using God as a as a crutch or a way to get what you want? And which is not at all how yeah. the conversation has mm-hmm. gone or been the heartbeat yeah. at all. But I but and maybe and maybe there's some people listening that that, that that was their experience. You know, they had parents that drugged them to church and they went to church, but at home it was just it was the Bible was used in a way that yeah, to hit, get to hit you over the head. Yeah, basically. yeah. Like, hey, God says this is sin, and therefore I'm going to beat you over the head with it. Yeah, like and that's not honoring to the Lord at all, and that's mm-hmm. sinful, like crazy. And so for those who would be skeptic, uh, or skeptical of just man, like are you using the Lord to get what you want? Like what what would you say to that? Well, I, you know, the, the heartbeat of redemptive discipline is gospel-centered, which means it's grace-orientated. Yeah. 
right? Um, and so if you're bringing forth the gospel message or scripture into the equation, it's grace and mercy orientated. Yeah. And so with that foundation, your approach is not beating somebody over the head with it. Yeah. It can't be. Those are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would, I would add, and, and I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and I think, I think the check as an adult is, you know, if you're lashing out to your child or you're having, you know, unrealistic um, expectations, um, maybe your child isn't the problem, but mm-hmm. maybe it's your heart. And where is your heart? And really, you know, you have this Abba yeah. Father and, you know, you could go down to Christianese, you know, well, just sit and pray, go to church. But um, I think the question is, you know, if you have anger towards your child or uh, you want to use the gospel to beat them over the head, what is that anger? If that anger could have words, what would it say? And mm-hmm. chances are you're going to start peeling back some layers of maybe where you've been hurt before um, or you don't have, maybe you just don't have faith in, you know, who God is and you don't understand where he is. And we, we all start there. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to think of this as partnering with God to accomplish his goal. Mm. And so in your question, if I diagnose that, it's really um, the, the opposite of that is what I want, and it's not aligned with God. Yeah. Right? So if I'm, uh, if I'm trying to accomplish his will and I'm doing it with the support of the Holy Spirit, I'm probably going to be inside the bowling lanes of where I need to be. Yeah. Right? I'm going to be inside the bumper lanes there. Without a doubt. No, that's good. Another thought I have is, like, so, and I think back to my dad and all my stepdads, like, and, and I guess I think of guys specifically, but often I feel like, um, adults have personal preferences that they're very tight fisted with. Like, this is like, this is how, this is how I was raised. And so what I mean by tight fisted is if they're, they're not going to budge on that, they're going to say, this is my experience. And they may not articulate this way, but this is how I was raised is my experience. And this is by golly, how I'm going to do it. It's my house. And I'm like, well, technically biblically it's not, but okay. Like if you want to think that then fine. But I feel biblically that we should be tight-fisted with scripture as in scripture doesn't change. We're very tight-fisted with scripture, Um, but we need to be open-handed with personal preferences or the way that we feel or personal convictions. And and under the umbrella of this particular topic of, of redemptive discipline, what would you say to the, to the parents who have a hard time even embracing something like this because it's so ingrained in them, how they're raised, which may be completely different than this. Maybe it is, you know, they're like, no, it, the child has no authority. I'm the parent. They're going to listen. And I don't give a rip if they like it or not, which is usually my heartbeat <laughs> in this. <laughs> I didn't have to come up with that because that's what I think too often. So for those people where they're so tight fisted with the way that they like, this is the way it's got to be done. And I'm like, well, okay, biblically we honor the, honor the Lord. And, and this is, you know, with biblical truth and those things don't change. But when it comes to personal preferences or best practices or convictions, I would assume that a lot of parents need to change some of those things, but they may not want to or because it's so hard. And so what would you specifically speak and say to those people who like where you guys were, you know, a few years ago or for you specifically, Josh, you know, your wife's got this thing going on and you're yeah. seeing the fruit of it. And you're like, cause, cause you could have simply said, eh, I don't want to do that. Well, but, I, you know, I did, I did do that originally. Yeah. I, that wasn't good enough. I, I, you know, or what I grew up with was good enough for me. So why can't I just yeah. produce kids that are yes. just like me? Cause I'm perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, 
You said something that kind of clued me into position. Um, I'm in a position of authority and the kid kind of needs to do whatever. For me, Michelle said it earlier, it starts with checking my own spirit and my heart with God first. So positionally, um, redemptive discipline helps remind the child that their ability to do what right, to do what's right and wrong is really dependent upon the Holy Spirit, mm. not dependent upon the parent's method mm. of correction or training. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit. And it also helps the child remind the child that no matter how hard they try, they're not going to be perfect rule follower. Yeah. They're not. Um, we are sinners by grace, but in Christ, um, right, we are saved. And then we're in the process of becoming in what he's declared us to be. No, that's good. And so for me to like continually not just remind my own self about that, but then remind myself that, hey, God's doing this work with my kids is freeing because I'm not trying to implement a method to get an outcome in that specific time. Hmm. I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, I gotta, I have to rely on God um, to, to do the heart change ultimately. Yeah, I would, you know, let's just say, elephant in the room, this is hard this is hard. This was new for our family. Um, and so what I would tell people, well, let me give a story. When our, our son was born in the womb, there was some possible complications, right? And, and had a, a God journey through that. And I thought after he was born, you know, like we would expect and toast and fingers type thing. Um, you know, I thought, okay, we're done. We're going to leave the hospital. It's good. And Josh was driving. I was sitting in the, the back seat with our son and we're coming, we're leaving the hospital and we're coming around a corner in our neighborhood. And this old pickup truck runs the stop sign. And I think this is it. He's going to T-bone us. And I, I haven't even had my child out of the hospital for five minutes, right? <laughs> oh this gosh. is not going well, God. And let me tell you, God said in that moment, he said, anything can happen. You do not own this child, but rather I gave him to you. Yep. He's on loan. And so I've always held that, um, you know, loosely in my hand of I'm here to train this child towards God. And I could do that because of my relationship with God. And so, um, you know, this is not a, you know, if my kid's running up and down or throwing blocks or, you know, taking something from a hand, you need to address it. And we most certainly have our, our methods to do yeah. that. Um, but the bottom line is if I'm so stuck on something on, on, um, a discipline or, you know, it's my way or the highway, chances are literally or figuratively, my fists are tight Yeah, and I need to stop and I need to open my hands and think, Lord, is this from you? If not, will you take it yeah. and will you replace it with something that your Holy Spirit wants to give me to invest in this child? And it is a long process and it is not easy. And it's really, again, I think coming back to your, your heart. Yeah, no, it's good. That's great. What, are, what any last minute thoughts or comments that you guys would like to like to give under the topic of redemptive discipline? And there's so much. I mean, we could spend hours on this topic easily. Um, you know, I think that the, she just hit that. The, the main takeaway is what I would reiterate is uh, it's about a relationship with God, first and foremost, with the adult. And then you're trying to take on the mindset of, I'm here to partner with God to train them in the way they should go. I love Proverbs um, 22.6. It reminds us to train up a child 
in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. And um, that that mindset is helping. It's freeing me because it knows that I, their journey is not 100% dependent upon me. Mm-hmm. It's actually dependent on God. Yeah. And, and I get to participate in that. I would say, you know, if in your disciplining as a family, if you don't like the results, and, and this is not because every kid is different and there's yeah. so many variables to the situation, but if if you really want to give a lasting heart change, um, you know, look at yourself, you know, is there... I call it little Pharisees. Is there a will that you need to feel like you need to act a certain way on the outside to get love? Then I'm going to tell you that's not the gospel. Mm. And let's go back to the basics. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Well, thank you guys so much um, for your time today on the podcast. Hopefully, Lord willing, some people will run into you at church and they'll they'll be uh, <clears throat> wanting to ask you guys a few more questions right about on. about the topic. So thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on House on Fire podcast. Please share this so others can be blessed by the conversation we had today. And we will see you all next time.